Most weeks, I spend time reading these Bible texts to think about how to teach them to children in our weekly children's chapel. And these are not just any children, these are young children. Second grade and under means that my oldest child is usually about seven years old. Children this age don't have a lot of life experience on which to draw to understand these stories. They live in the here and now, in the immediate, and take things as they come. They are wholly literal. They cannot understand metaphors. They can't analogize. Trust me, I have tried. (laughs) Like two weeks ago, um, okay kids, just like salt makes food taste good, your good deeds show the world that God is good. Children blinking. Child licks arm. I don't taste salty. Okay, okay, how about this? The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Chapel kids. Was it a flashlight, a campfire, or those big lights on the helicopter? Young children process information based on what they see and what they know, which is right in front of them. They cannot make the metaphorical leaps required to understand the deeper meaning of many biblical texts. Well, it turns out that not all adults can handle the metaphorical either. (laughs) (laughs) I myself have been guilty of being overly stuck in the literal. Some people live this pragmatic perspective and interpret life at face value. In Jesus' encounter with Nicodemus, we find one such person. In this story, we see two people who are talking right past one another. It's the same as when you see that gaze go across the children's faces. They're still listening to you, but they have no idea what you're talking about. Nicodemus was a Pharisee, a religious expert and leader of the Jewish people. Our commentaries tell us he was probably part of the Sanhedrin, which is the high council. We know this because he shows up again in this gospel a couple more times, including right at the end when Jesus is being judged. Nicodemus is no intellectual lightweight. In fact, more than others, he's mastered the law as a religious leader of the day. But we know there's a difference between being religious and knowing God. Nicodemus had a very public commitment to God on the outside, but perhaps he wanted, as so many of us do, something more, something deeper, a relationship with God on the inside. But it doesn't look like it's going to happen for Nicodemus today. He cannot understand Jesus. We're tipped off early that this is gonna be a difficult conversation because John tells us that Nicodemus comes to Jesus by night. Now, John loves symbolism and metaphor. Maybe Nicodemus came at night because he was afraid to be seen, but it's likely that John put that detail in there to tell us that Nicodemus was ignorant. He didn't believe, he didn't understand. Nicodemus comes at night, he comes from a place of darkness. But in the days preceding their meeting, Jesus has piqued his interest enough to come check it out. Nicodemus says to Jesus, teacher, We know that you are from God, for we have seen the signs. It seems that Jesus has been going around performing miracles, and John tells us that he had many followers because of the miracles he had done. He's been healing the sick, making the blind to see, and turning water into wine. 
And Nicodemus leads with what he has seen, literally. We know you come from God because we have seen the signs. He doesn't really even ask a question. He just kind of leaves that statement hanging there. Is it true? Who are you, really? Maybe Nicodemus makes, wants to make some sort of decision about who Jesus is. Miracle worker, street prophet, oddball, something more. This guy could spell danger, or he could hold the keys to something deeper. Jesus doesn't answer Nicodemus per se, but rather says something entirely cryptic. No one can see the kingdom of God without being born from above. What? Nicodemus is confused and responds literally, how can anyone be born after growing old? Can one enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? This would be a cute answer if it were coming from our chapel kids. But Nicodemus is no seven-year-old. He's a religious leader of the time. And Jesus doesn't really let him off the hook. He says, flesh is flesh. Spirit is spirit, if you've been born of the flesh, of earthly things, but to go deeper, you must be born of the spirit, born from above, born from God. Earthly things and heavenly things. See, you're a teacher of Israel, and yet you don't understand these things? Harsh burn, Jesus. (laughs) The last we hear from Nicodemus in this passage is pretty clear that he has not followed the conversation. He's not able to recognize what Jesus offers, and more importantly, who Jesus is. He trusted in the signs he had seen, but belief in signs is not enough. He wants something deeper, but he can't go beyond what he's been taught to believe. But believing in a set of things about God is not the same as believing in God. Being religious, even a religious leader, and knowing God are not the same. But seriously, would we have fared any better than Nicodemus? Could we have understood Jesus better than this well-educated Pharisee? There's plenty of evidence out there that many of us get hung up on sign faith, on the idea that by subscribing to a set of principles or rules, right doctrine, right belief, right worship, dare I say, in front of a congregation of Episcopalians, That by being religious or worse, by being right in our beliefs, right in our practice, we will somehow know God. In fact, this reading from John holds perhaps the most loved and most maligned verse in the whole Bible. John 3.16 For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish but have eternal life. How often have we seen this verse slammed over people's heads? Profess your belief in Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, and you shall live. If not, you're doomed forever. But what John says through the character of Nicodemus and so many others in this gospel is that sign faith is not enough. Believing a list of things is not the same as believing in something. In fact, for John, belief isn't a static thing. It's, it's more like an action verb or a verb. We might do better to substitute the word trust for belief. That whosoever trusts in Jesus shall not perish but have eternal life. Whosoever trusts Jesus with their life 
trusts the way a child trusts a parent. Trust the way we trust that airline pilot to have the right training and instincts that when we get in that giant metal bird and fly across the country, we'll be safe. Trust in the way we trust that guide to tie on our rock climbing harness properly so that when we miss a step and hurdle off the rock face, the harness catches us. Or trust when that guide attaches our parachute that he's done it right so that when we throw ourselves out of the airplane, we soar rather than sink. Believing in someone, trusting someone is visceral. We can feel it in our bones. You trust with your whole life. And out the airplane you go, believing that, trusting that that person you've tied yourself to, sometimes literally, will bear you up. That kind of belief that kind of trust requires being born from above. Jesus says, be born into a new life, not a life constrained by what the world tells us is valuable, not a life caught up in earthly values like status and privilege, not a life full of stuff and a message from society that tells us it's just a lack of things in our lives that makes us feel empty, not a life that invariably leaves us asking is that all there is? For those of us who want something deeper, who want a life full of meaning, a life that's not always safe and comfortable, but always brings a challenge, we must be born from above, born anew. Jesus says to Nicodemus, I dare you. I dare you to turn your perspective upside down. I dare you to turn your mind inside out to step out of all your preconceived notions, to step out of the life of the world, and to be born into the life of God. Nicodemus looks at Jesus and says, how can this be? I don't know how to do that. I don't know how to be born from above. I don't know where to start or what to do. And Jesus says, it takes courage, but I can show you how. It won't always be an easy ride. It will involve tough choices and uncomfortable moments, like standing up for people when it would be easier to stay in your seat, or inviting that awkward person in when damage may be done to your cool reputation, or giving credit to someone else who needs a boost even though you're up for a promotion, or listening to that friend run through all the injustices of her divorce for the hundredth time even though you have nothing new to say and a million other things to do. <laughs> Calling that person you know is grieving but doesn't want to impose. Or holding her hand through the chemo treatments and celebrating with her when the cancer is gone. Jesus says to Nicodemus and he says to us, here's how we begin. Put your hand here, tie the rope here, make sure the latch is secure, don't overthink it. Do as I do. Follow my lead. Trust me, for I know what I'm doing. For God so loved the world that he gave us his only son so that we can put our full trust in him to lead us, to guide us, to bring us into that living relationship with God that cannot be destroyed. Trust me, Jesus said. I got this. Thanks be to God.